Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, March 9th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We're chat some hockey, some golf, and some NASCAR here on this edition of the show. Things may sound a little bit different, kind of a different kind of setup for us for today's show, so we'll do the best we can with it. And from the looks of it, not going to be able to edit the show, so we're going to have to go clean with this first cut because my laptop doesn't want to start today. In any event, over at ATS.io, make sure you check out my 2021 MLB betting guide. Lots of great information to get you ready for the Major League Baseball season. Picks and predictions across college basketball, the NBA, the NHL, golf, UFC, NASCAR, all that good stuff available at the website. Make sure you check that out. And also make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Full article integration with that. It's a bet tracker. It's an odd screen. Really helpful, powerful tool for you to have there with that ATS app. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Mr. Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, Adam. Ready to roll, man. Uh, lots on the docket. Um, wish I had Dak Prescott money. What? Please. What was that? I mean, I, they've just mangled how many teams salary cap down the road? With that signing? I, you know, wasn't there that rumor a week or two ago that he had to have a second surgery? Uh, apparently uh, that wasn't true. They weren't going to give him that kind of money if he had to have another follow-up procedure. But I hope the guy's healthy for starters, and I hope he has a, you know, plays great and whatever. But I'm sorry. He says he wants the second highest paid contract in the league for a quarterback, and everybody laughs at him. And Jerry Jones gives it to him. Yeah. What is that? I don't know. Maybe he's getting soft in his old age. <laughs> oh, if, I'm telling you, if, if, I'm a Bills fan. If, if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm saying to Josh Allen this morning, I'm, I'm not letting Josh Allen take another snap without signing him to an extension. Yeah, no, if I Josh agree. Josh Allen has another year like he had last year, how much more than Dak Prescott is he going to get? No, that's a great question. You're, you're absolutely right. It's going to be really interesting to see how those dominoes kind of fall with some quarterbacks coming up on contracts and, and all that type of thing. And, of course, you know, we got some quarterbacks coming out in this draft, too, where the Dak Prescott thing could wind up being a factor for them in three, four years' time, something like that. So lots that we could discuss in the NFL. We'll have plenty of time to do that as we go forward here and as we get closer to the NFL draft. But Brian, the NBA on hiatus. They played the All-Star game. They will restart the regular season tomorrow night. So the NHL has kind of taken center stage, at least as far as professional sports go. Anything new? Anything kind of stand out outside of the things that we've been you know, discussing here already this season? A lot of the angles we've talked, Adam, uh, have worked in many, 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 many instances. First game, teams get together is higher scoring, and then the second one's lower. Last night, Vegas... Uh, Minnesota played the first of a two-game set, but it was lower scoring. But I think you could say that was an anomaly because they just played two last week. In fact, after the game, I asked Matt Pacioretty, I said, you just played them twice last week. So the fact that you know these guys, does that familiarity tighten the games up? He said, yeah. He said, we knew what they were going to do, and they knew what we were going to do. And it was basically a one nothing game, you know, with an empty netter. So – but beyond that, there have been things that have been worried. The one thing we talked about, I will tell you, that 
has been working big time, and it doesn't matter who the teams are. Big dogs. A long road trip, teams on the last game of a road trip, trip they're on the bus. They're, their head's out of it. They want to go home. And we saw Calgary almost kill themselves in pregame skate in the last game of a road trip last week. They were falling all over the ice. Monahan got hit in the face with a puck, and they got killed by Ottawa. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of things that are happening that history does tend to repeat itself in the NHL, and we're seeing it in this off year with the restrictions of how the road trips are and the back-to-back games where the new things that, okay, we've seen that before, and then history's repeating itself again. So make mental notes when some things happen on your own. You know, I mean, you'll maybe find your own thing. But, yeah, the last time this happened, they did this. And that's happened in three or four other series, and all of a sudden you find yourself a new angle. Yeah, no, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And, you know, I read something here this morning from uh, Emily Kaplan over at ESPN talking about the mental health of the players. And, and one of the things that they were talking about was even in the bubble, you know, they were still able to, you know, get carry out from certain places. They this had worse common areas they were able to go to. And, and that was really the crux of the article was, yeah, this is worse. You know, these guys can't even get together in each other's hotel rooms. They can't go to meals together. They're six feet apart in the ballroom at the airport, at the uh, hotel. You know, so these teams are just in really difficult emotional spots. And and as you said, you know, the longer that road trip goes, uh, the more ready they are to be home. There's no question about that. Uh, It's it was one we had talked about as a premise before the season. And it's like it's happening all the time. These guys literally, they go to the room alone and back to the rink. And they just, they're not huddling up together. And, in fact, those was Pete DeBoer. The challenges of keeping these guys mentally fresh because this is they're doing something they've never done before. The bubble thing, they all kind of went through it. The problem was the, the longer the playoffs went, the longer guys got stuck in a bubble. Well, Tampa Bay and Dallas survived that. But, but who are we to say? You know, you sit there and you go, oh, this guy's out with an upper body injury. But a dozen of them were playing and they had mental injuries. I mean, they, they, they you know, mentally, they just weren't dealing with it well. Yeah, and I think that's something that will continue. Well, maybe it won't continue. I, I don't know. Things are kind of getting better on the COVID front and, you know, more vaccinations out there. Maybe the NHL kind of relaxes some restrictions. Maybe they don't. But, you know, maybe things are getting a little bit better here for the players. And, and that was something that I kind of read in that article, too, was that, you know, guys at the tail end of the sound bites and the, and the quotes that, that the author Emily Kaplan used in that article, there was a little bit more optimism towards the tail end of what these players were saying with regards to just how everything's going across the board with the vaccine and the virus and all of that. So, you know, I mean, again, the players are dealing with it the best they can, and you know, it does create some betting opportunities for us. And speaking of which, any betting opportunities you're looking at here tonight on the Tuesday card? It's a short sample size, and I'm not like, oh, great, great pick. You're, you know, you're picking Boston. I mean, I love the Islanders. I really do. I, I think this is a good team, uh, solid goaltending, well-coached, the organization, everything they're doing. I love the Islanders. But in this one spot today, the only other short window to, to say this is similar was if last week, the Flyers played against Buffalo. They played two games. They were the, a walk in the park. And the Flyers shut them out for the weekend. And then the Flyers, after playing the two games against Buffalo, went to play Pittsburgh, who's playing Pittsburgh without Sidney Crosby. 
and Pittsburgh stomped on them. The Islanders just played three pond hockey games and beat the Sabres three games in a row, and now they're going to go against Boston. And I think Boston's got a stone in their shoe after the Washington series. And don't get me wrong, if they, I mean, I, I like the Islanders in a lot of ways, and in the playoffs, maybe I'd be thinking a different deal, but just the scheduling set of circumstances after three cupcake games with Buffalo, I think Boston's like, you know, gritty grinding and ready to go tonight. Yeah, you know, this is one that I've kind of been looking at here with the Islanders who are now 10-0-2 at home. And they are at home in this game tonight against Boston. They do go on the road later in the week, albeit against the New Jersey Devils, who aren't very good. But, you know, home road splits are something I think that are kind of worth looking at here as we go forward as well. Because, you know, you are a little bit more comfortable at home. At least you can be around your family and, and you know, all that kind of thing. But also you get that last change. And with a head coach as good as Barry Trotz, you know, that's something I feel like he's probably maximized in a lot of his games here so far. So I do think the Islanders, when they go on the road, could be a little bit of a fade team, but I also agree with the angle you're kind of looking at here for tonight. But five of those home wins are against Buffalo and New Jersey. Yeah, no, that's true. And I mean, and that's the thing too, you know, you're going to have some imbalanced strength of schedules here, you know, for this season that, that some of these things just may continue, but also, you know, and I saw this, um, Andy McNeil, who contributes to VSIN, uh, he wrote about this, um, and for the life of me, I can't remember, you know, who the two teams were in question. But one of the things he was looking at is, you know, yeah, this team is playing really well, but they have eight games left against, I think it was against Boston or something like that. One of the better teams in that division. That's something you want to take a look at here too, where a team like the Islanders, as you just mentioned, you know, they've kind of been able to pad their record because they've beaten the hell out of Buffalo, what, six times already? Well, as bad as it is in Buffalo's horrific. And Eichel's hurt now in not playing tonight. That just came out. They're at Philly. But the Sabres are 6-14-3 in the East Division. They have yet to play Pittsburgh or Boston. I mean, so they've got 16 games left against Pittsburgh and Boston. So you also so then you go to Boston and Pittsburgh, who are sitting third and fourth at the moment. And Boston is five behind the Islanders. By the way, that's the other thing. You know, Boston Boston doesn't want the Islanders to get separation on them. But the, the Bruins have three games in hand, and they're five points back. So they win this game. They're only, they're only three back, still have the, five, or the three games in hand. And then Boston's got eight games left with Buffalo, and Pittsburgh's got eight games left with Buffalo. So if you're betting futures and things of that nature, make sure you get the games in hand and what the remaining matchups are. It's not like they're going on road trips or going around the league and playing other teams. They're just cycling through and killing each other. And like Boston and Pittsburgh, technically, they're sitting there going, the way the Sabres are going, they're going, we want those eight wins. You know, it's an excellent point. Very good point for sure. And a couple of other games that are kind of on my radar tonight, I guess we'll get your thoughts on these. Florida and Columbus is an interesting one to me because Columbus has obviously been very up and down. They really haven't had that good of a season here so far. But they did get a bump at home last week, albeit against Detroit. But it was their first game with fans. And I know this is something you mentioned last week about you know, the fans being in the building kind of creates a little bit more buzz, a little bit more energy. Uh, that's kind of helped scoring to a degree. We've kind of seen some overs in some of those games with fans. But I know Florida is a better team than Columbus. I'm fully aware of that. 
But Columbus getting a plus price tonight with fans in attendance, something that, you know, Florida's been used to. They've had fans all season long. But I think a team like Columbus tonight, with maybe some of that extra juice, some of that extra jump, getting back home, I'm kind of looking at those angles a little bit here with home dogs that actually have people in attendance. Yeah, and the one thing I would say, I agree with you about, you know, at the moment, Florida's better than Columbus. And Tortorella, you know, you get in the playoffs. I like this guy a lot. But they are coming off an embarrassing effort. They got beat 5 nothing by the Stars. At the end of the day, who cares? You lose by a goal, you lose by five. And they did get a split out of Dallas. But we are seeing teams, when they get thumped and embarrassed, usually bounce back with a, a solid effort. And they better bounce back with a good effort with Tortorella behind the bench. But the one Columbus is just offensively challenged. But Florida plays a completely different way. If, and I'm wondering if maybe the way to go is if Columbus gets a bounce because there are fans there. Well, Florida, Florida plays the way they're going to play. I'm wondering if maybe it's a sneaky game that goes over the total of five and a half, that it's a higher scoring game than we're accustomed to. And then one other game I'm looking at here for tonight, and I've talked about this in my situational article over at ATS.io. You know, a team like Buffalo is playing so bad. And, I mean, you can see that tonight with the number that's out there with Philadelphia, a pretty uncomfortable favorite in that game. But these teams that have these losing streaks or these prolonged periods of not playing well, over 82 games, you know, maybe they kind of think they still have a chance, something like that. But this Dallas Stars team started 4-0, and they have not played well since that point. You know, they, they started 4-0. They had that long COVID pause. They kind of rallied together got off to a nice start, have not played well since. They're not a team that I'm looking to lay numbers with. They're just, they're not that polished of a team right now. And even though I don't love Chicago for a variety of different reasons, you know, I look at some of these teams that are just not playing well, don't really look to have a shot at the playoffs. There's no way I would lay lay a favorite price with those teams in this environment. No, I think there are other ways to go, you know, but the the only thing I would say to you is – Chicago has to be feeling great about themselves. They go 1-1-1 against Tampa. I think they'd have signed the paper heading into that series. But three games against Tampa, you know, could be a little bit of a letdown spot. But, you know, with Dallas, again, the thing you got to look at is pedestrian as it looks at the moment, they're a game below 500, but they've started and stopped, started and stopped. But they literally have six games in hand on Chicago who's in fourth right now. And you're sitting there going, you look, they're 12 points back. If they win tonight, they're 10 points back, and they got six games in hand. So today it looks hideous for the Dallas Stars. Talk to me in three weeks when they start to play all these games and start to catch up, and it may take its toll on them eventually. But what looks terrible today might look different in two weeks. Yeah, again, just a different and unique NHL environment, to say the least here. And uh, again, I hope for today's show that everything sounds okay. We had some technical issues at the top of the program trying to figure some things out. You're Um, all good. It's all good. You're fine. All right, good, good. Just making sure. Thank you for for the update there, because I can only hear myself and and hear you, and hopefully everything's coming across uh, okay throughout the broadcast here. Let's transition over to the golf side of things. We'll head down to Florida for the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass. And what is it, a $15 million prize purse for this thing? $2.7 million to the winner. Uh, this is an event that players take very, very seriously. Last year's tournament, they played the first round. 
Then all the COVID stuff shut everything down. So they weren't able to finish it. So we'll see what happens here with this year's version of the tournament. But Brian, just overall here, the, the fact that the players kind of consider this to be a fifth major, I think just speaks to how seriously they take this event. Oh, no, it, it, absolutely, it absolutely is. I mean, this is one, you know, the players consider it a major. And the field always lends itself to that, the way the course is set up and the way the, it finishes and the drama that's there. It's going to be spectacular. By the way, last week was incredible at Bay Hill. I mean, the rough, that was like a U.S. Open. It really was. And DeChambeau showed us it's exactly why he won the U.S. Open last year. He doesn't care about the lie. He hits it as far as he can. And if he's buried in the cabbage, but he's hitting a nine iron out of the cabbage, he can muscle it on the green. It's the risk reward. He doesn't pay a price for hitting it in the cabbage. But, uh, you know, the guy like Westwood, who he's playing with, if DeChambeau's hitting a nine iron out of the cabbage, Lee Westwood's hitting a five iron, and you can't do it. So, you know, DeChambeau gets such a massive edge. Length on this course, I don't think is is the determining factor at all. This is playing from the short grass, certain holes that you just, you, you know, like 14 comes to mind where, you know, DeChambeau can hit it a million miles down there. But if you're not in the fairway on 14, you got a problem. I don't care who you are. So I, the field's awesome. The guys coming in, I would look at John Rahm, who had a real chance to win this a couple of years ago when it's on, a, on 11, the par five, his caddy's going to lay up, and, and Rahm's fighting with him. Like, no, I'm going to go for it. And, and the, the caddy's begging him, don't go for it. And Rom goes for it and hits it in the water and starts screaming and yelling at the caddy. Like, well, the caddy was right, not you, idiot. The, I think Rom Rom can play really well here. I hate the price, you know, 16 to 1. The other guy, though, I'm shaking my head a little bit. Why Patrick Reed's 40 to 1. I think Patrick Reed certainly makes a lot of sense here. Well, and as you mentioned, this is a course that doesn't necessarily reward distance and length. It's a course where, and I was looking at this on Data Golf, which is a great website to kind of compare courses and sort of look at the skill sets that are more important at different courses. And this is one where driving accuracy is, is very much off the charts relative to most of the courses that are out there. So hitting it far, you know, there's certainly a place for that. It certainly helps, and it could help here if you hit it far and you're also accurate. But this is one where you do want to play from the short grass, as you said. Can be some challenging angles toward the greens. Uh, there are a lot of bunkers that kind of run along the side of the fairway. Some A lot of water on this course as well. So accuracy was the big thing that I was looking at here. And, you know, one guy that I do like in terms of the short prices, I know you mentioned John Rahm in that 15-16 to 1 range. This feels like the kind of tournament Xander Shoffley is going to win. You know, he was second back in 2018 – Great player, 20 to 1, very strong skill set. A guy that of the short prices, I'm kind of taking a look at here. But then I started going down the board a little bit more where you've got an elite field. It's tough to beat a lot of the top players like I've talked about before. But a guy like Sung J M, who's 10th in stroke, or I think he's 7th in strokes gained off the tee, 11th in driving accuracy, he's 55 to 1 this week. You don't see Sung J M at 55 to 1 very often. I know he hasn't played as well in his last couple of events as he previously was, but a guy that's going to put it in the fairway, going to play well off the tee, that's the kind of guy that I'm looking for in a tournament like this. So 
Sung JM is on my list. And then another guy who's actually played really well here in the past, back-to-back top 10 finishes in 2019 and 2018. A guy I know you like quite a bit. That's Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. Oh, you can make a case for a lot of guys. Hey, the way Westwood struck the ball last week at 80 to one. I mean, if he carries that in here, um, you can make the case Westwood should have won. He, you know, hit one bad iron on the back nine when he had the edge on the par five and it didn't get up and down and had a three putt. Other than that, the clutch on 18 out of a divot, he's, he's in good form. Uh, from the grenade prices, I'll just throw a goofy one out there because I do believe, although these kids are fearless, like Morikawa, you know, goes to all these courses for the first time and he just lights it up, doesn't seem to bother him. But I think knowing your way around here matters. There are places to miss. <laughs> your misses are important. Like where you miss, you know, a miss for a bogey or a miss for a triple, you know, determines the outcome of your weekend. I'm going to throw a weird one out there because he almost won this thing, and it was still one of the most torturous things I think I've ever watched. Remember when Kevin Nye had the swing yips where he, he, couldn't, he couldn't swing? He'd stand over it, and he'd waggle, and he, it was insane. He, just, he, he had a mental block that he couldn't pull the trigger. It was, it was the most painful thing I've ever seen, and it was at TPC. But he was leading into, into the weekend and on Sunday. So he's played well here in the past. Kevin Nye's a different golfer now. He rolls the rock really good, and he's not this really long guy, but he is good off the tee. Uh, Kevin Na at 100 to 1 is, I think, worth a peek. I'll throw a different Kevin out there, and that's Kevin Kisner, who's 125 to 1. And, and again, you know, if you're in a state with the legal U.S. markets or, you know, you, if you have some global markets at your disposal, it's not like you have to only play the winner. You know, you can play top 5, top 10, top 20. I know much to your chagrin, which hopefully you'll be able to do here uh, in the very near future. But I like Kevin Kisner, 125 to 1. Maybe he doesn't win, but, you know, 11 to 1 for a top 10 finish for a guy that hits a ton of fairways and is one of the best putters on tour pretty much year in and year out. I think he's a good look in, you know, some sort of capacity here. At 160 to 1, Brendan Todd is a guy that hits a bunch of fairways. You know, he's in pretty good form over the last, you know, 10 to 12 months. He's played really well. You know, again, these are guys that I don't know if they win. I don't know if they can beat, you know, the, the top of the top of this field. But there are creative ways to play them, to, you know, back them to play well. Maybe not win, but play well. And I think that some of those long shot guys, you know, because, again, when, when we look at the golf betting markets, and, and, Brian, you know this as well as I do, it's very distance heavy. The guys, they hit it a long way, you know, have the highlights, have the sexy video clips on social media and all of that. Those are the guys that wind up getting the short prices. And, you know, all you have to do is look at what Dustin Johnson has done here in the past. He's not played well. He had a top five in 2019. I think it's the only one in his career at this course. And he's maybe the best golfer on the planet. So, you know, it's not all about distance here. And that's why you can take a shot with some of these long shot guys that, you know, play fairways and greens and make putts. And, you know, this is the kind of course where that's going to play well for them. Well, and I'm just, I'm real quick, just checking recent results. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Talk about an out of out of, out of nowhere, out of the clouds. I mean, like, see, Woo Kim won this in 2017. See, Woo Kim won the American Express in the end of January this year, but then he's been abysmal since then. But this is the this is the nature of this event that 
you know, added so much. There will be someone in, in over 100 to 1 that will be contending on Sunday. I'll just tell you that. It's, a, it's that kind of event. You know, finding that grenade, you know, before Thursday, you know, you get, you get a guy to the weekend who's, you know, in the final group, he's going to be 8 or 10 to 1. You know, but on Thursday, he's 150 to 1. Out of nowhere, so like a guy like a Kevin Nod or a Siwoo Kim, one of these guys is going to be contending on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, you know, I mean, the rough will just get worse and worse as the week goes along, which that'll help the guys that put it in the fairway, you know. So some of those guys that are at those long shot prices, I do think, are pretty good investments here for this week. And again, not just to win, but looking at the top five, top 10, top 20, maybe first round leader type stuff. You know, a lot of different markets out there, uh, at least around the U.S. sports books. Brian, one more item of business to chat about here on today's show, and that is the Instacart 500. This is the race at Phoenix Raceway on the one-mile track. Kevin Harvick has nine career wins here, and he's not even the favorite. He's plus 650, co-third favorite at DraftKings behind Chase Elliott and Brad Keselowski. And, Brian, four races, four different winners. I would say probably three guys that nobody would have pegged to win a race at all this year, let alone this early on. And then Kyle Larson wins last week. And I know you had Brad Keselowski. You liked him. Second place finish I, for him. I got to this stupid. <laughs> I'm telling you, so frustrating. No, I mean, I mean, everything we said last week happened with one exception. And it was, it was fade Harvick because, even, you know, Harvick is for whatever reason struggling right now. So fade Harvick in matchups. We said play on Larson in matchups and Keselowski to win. And of course, you know, Kozlowski's in, in the two-hole, and, you know, Larson gets it done. But, I mean, that's that's the bottom line. We were all around it. And, you know, Kozlowski's got a good car, and he's highly motivated. And so Larson's got a second chance. How dangerous is he now? You know, he's playing with house money the rest of the year. Yeah, he is. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I think he wishes that things went much differently last year, but he found himself with a pretty good team, too. You know, he, he wound up with Hendrick. He's got a good car. You know, he's a guy that is going to be a factor here in a lot of these races. The one thing I think is really difficult about this race, and we've been talking about this with the one-and-a-half-mile tracks and all of that, is all the guys that are up there at the top of the board usually are back there like they always are. There are seven guys at DraftKings right now, or maybe eight, that are under 10-1 to 1 to win this thing because this is one of those one-mile tracks where you don't expect – some long shot from way down the board to get a win. Even though that's been the way things have gone here so far, you had the two races at Daytona. One was a road course, obviously crazy, fluky things are going to happen. There's not a whole lot of betting value on the board this week. And, and I'm having a hard time kind of deciding which of the top guys I want to play. Well, the one thing that's going on right now, and it's weird, is the Joe Gibbs cars, the Toyotas are even struggling. I think for long stretches, Elliott's car is better than Hamlin, um, Bush, and uh, who I'm missing the True other X. Thank you, True X. Uh, those cars are just not mid-pack. I mean, Hamlin and True X were racing around third, fourth, fifth, basically the whole week. So those cars haven't been dominant. Uh, Logano won the last race here. He's another win-early kind of guy. Blaney is just cursed. I mean, he's got a rocket sled every week. 
The one guy that's going to be interesting and the overlaid price to me is Byron because Byron had a good car in Vegas. I mean, and he's, he's really aggressive on restarts. And the one thing they did talk about on Sunday is the fact that he's got that win allows them to be really aggressive now. So you can go with alternative pit strategies and, and roll the dice on things you normally wouldn't do because you're worried about, uh, you know, these guys. that's the thing about NASCAR is, you know, the, the stage point means so much that, you know, those guys are happy. Well, yeah, we finished fourth. We had a great day. Well, what good does that do us? We're betting on them. You know what I mean? It's so winning is what matters. I mean, we can play matchups and all the things inside, but a guy like Byron, He's not worried about stage point. I mean, you know, you want to rack those things up. They'll help you at the end of the year. But he's in. He's got the win. So a guy like that at 30-1, to 1, every week he's going to be able to take a shot that the other guys aren't able to take a shot at. Yeah, I think it's a really good point, especially because, you know, as you said, I mean, 25% of the playoff spots are accounted for already, which is nuts to think about. And, and like I said, three of the four guys that have won races, you wouldn't expect to have won a race this early. So – you do sort of wonder, you know, the top guys, how do they play this going forward? Are they, you know, kind of trying to protect their points? Are they trying to get that win, be a little bit more aggressive? Whereas the Bells and the Byrons of the world, they're playing, and Larson even now, they're playing with house money. You know, they, they are, they're already in, unless there are more than 16 race winners, and I don't think that's going to be the case. So those guys are already in. So, you know, you, you do wonder from a strategic standpoint what some of these guys are going to do as we go forward here. The one guy I, I do like Logano this week uh, at eight to one. I, I think he's probably my favorite of that under 10 to one group. One guy I think is kind of worth a look here. And you talk about young and aggressive drivers. I know who you're going to say. Do you? Uh-huh. Cause I, I don't think you gonna, do. I was just going to say this myself as Christopher Bell. No. All right. Go ahead. Even longer shot. 125 to one. Eric Jones. Eric Jones is a guy, he's only finished on the lead lap four times at Phoenix, but he's been in the top 10 all four of those times. And, you know, he's trying to figure things out. If I remember correctly, he's got a new team this year. Uh, so he's trying to figure things out on the fly a little bit. But another guy that, look, these guys that you basically graduated with from the Xfinity series are winning races now. So if you're Eric Jones, I think that changes your mindset, not only to say, hey, I belong with these guys, but also – you know what? I'm just going to roll the dice and try and get myself a win. So I, I think Eric Jones is a guy that can be very dangerous if he's got the right car with him. Yeah, and I, I'm telling you, Christopher Bell obviously has got the car now. Christopher Bell's a danger, I think, too. At, at, a, at what is he forty to one? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And, and again, I mean, that's the thing right now. We're we're kind of, you got to go price hunting in NASCAR because it's just it's not the status quo that we're used to. Doesn't it seem to you? when you watch this that like last year it was a match race between Harvick and Hamlin every week. It, it almost seems across the board and we're seeing McDowell. Okay. McDowell won the restrictor. Play. I mean, McDowell's been running up at the top. We're, we're seeing a lot of new cars that are competitive. You know, it, usually like every week there's two or three cars, but it seems like the, there's a competitive aspect. I don't know what they did, if they did anything that really leveled the playing field, but it seems like a lot more guys are in the equation than were last year. No, absolutely. It definitely seems like it is that way. And we'll be able to keep talking here about NASCAR as we go forward on ATS radio, but Brian blessing, the host of Sportsbook radio 
and Vegas Hockey Hotline. I'll be joining Brian on today's show, but uh, tell people how they can find that and where they can listen to it. All right, bud, appreciate it all. Basically, everything's at my Twitter, at Brian Blessing. Uh, but we do Sportsbook Radio from 2 to 4 Eastern on the Sports Grid Radio Network Series Channel 204. Hockey fans, we do Vegas Hockey Hotline, uh, 1 o'clock Pacific time, and there's a listen live function at kshp.com. I do a hockey podcast with Cam Stewart, the Hockey Betting Podcast, which is uh, worth a chuckle. You get that on my Twitter account as well. Uh, Check out the website, thehockeybettingpodcast.ca. All kinds of good stuff, bud. And, and, hey, and we're racing to the NCAA tournament, uh, the championship week. We're in the middle of that. I love championship week. Love the A-10. I'll just throw this out there Sunday. How weird was that, uh, that – you go through the A-10, you make it to the championship game, and then they shut it down for a week. And the Bonnies and VCU play on Sunday. That game's probably going to be maybe VCU 1, probably a total of 132. And the Bonnies have played 19 games and only two games. Have they allowed 70 points or more? I think the under will be – I think it's a coin flip goes right down to the wire, but the, I think the under on Sunday and the Bonnies games are going but. And they murdered St. Louis, who was an at-large team going into the semifinal game. They murdered them. They knocked St. Louis out of the tournament. I, I think St. Louis just got wiped out. I love championship week. I just love when these teams circle the wagons. And you're in Vegas, Mountain West tournament starting now. Uh, the ACC, Duke's at 20-1. to 1. <laughs> when did, Talk about Haley's Comet. When did you think you'd ever see stuff like that? So, you know, it's a great week. Yeah, it definitely is. And again, check out those videos over on our ATS YouTube page from Brian and check out Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline as well. Brian Blessing at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Always appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll talk to you later this afternoon and our listeners will hear from me again next week. All right, pal. There you go. There's Brian Blessing again, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline on the Sports Grid Sirius XM 204 radio network. Coming up on Wednesday, we'll chat college basketball with Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers. Thursday, Brad Powers will join me to talk some FCS college football. Then Friday, I will do another edition of the Betters Box. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.